In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Well, last week, if you were with us, we began our series uh, as we take a look at two simple words, loved and sent. And we talked about how in those two words we see who we are, that we are loved by God with an amazing, undeserved love, and then are sent by him to share that love with one another. Uh, And last week, um, we talked about how in those two words we see a simplicity that a child can understand, and yet uh, there's a depth to those two words that we're going to explore in the coming weeks. Uh, Last week, we really focused on that first word, loved, and we talked about how we see God's love displayed to us in the manger. As Jesus was born in that humble manger, he came to be with us, he was present among us, and we see love there. We talked about how one of the most powerful ways we can show love to one another sometimes is by simply being with each other and being present in one another's lives. And and God showed us that same kind of love in coming among us, taking on flesh incarnate and dwelling with his people. But today we're going to continue our look at that word loved, and we're going to see God's love for us displayed in the cross. But But after talking last week and after thinking about that word love this week so much, preparing for today, I I have to admit that I've been frustrated with the word love. Because you all know that we use that word love in all sorts of different ways, don't we? In all sorts of different contexts. Uh, For example, here are just some of the things that I have said uh, that I love. I say that I love bacon, uh, but I also say that I love my wife. And... I love the outdoors and the Chicago Cubs. I love to run, but I also love my parents, my mom and dad. And as you can imagine, though, my love for these things is a little different. Uh, The the love that I have for bacon is very different than the love that I have for my wife. And the love that I have for the Cubs is a very different kind of love than I have for my mom and dad. Um, We talk about love in all sorts of ways. Sometimes we talk about love being this feeling in our guts. We call it butterflies. Other times we talk about love uh, being an attraction for two people. Sometimes we talk about love being a a deep and long, lifelong uh, commitment to another person. And other times we talk about love at first sight. Sometimes we talk about love strictly in the physical sense. And other times we talk about love being acceptance, that that is love. And so it made me think, what what is love? Well, last week uh, we... We saw this verse, 1 John 4, chapter 10, and, and here is where God defines love for us. And we read it together last week, but I would like for us to read it together out loud again this week. So if you can bear with me, let's read this verse. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. You see, this is love, not that we loved God. Now, of course, we love God, right? But our love is far from perfect, as most of us know. But this is love, God says, that he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. You see, here I think we see that love is not primarily a feeling, although there are very often feelings attached to love. Love is not just an attraction between two people, though it can be that. But true love, God-defined love, is action. It is love lived out in tangible physical actions, in the God of the universe sending his only begotten son, Jesus, into this world born in the manger. True love is Jesus sacrificing his life on the cross for you. That is love. That is love that we can count on. That is the love of God which makes us who we are. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning, forgiving sacrifice for our sins. See, there on the cross, we see a picture 
of what love looks like. But as we look at the cross and as we look at that definition of love in 1 John chapter 4, verse 10, I think we are forced to face a reality that most of us would rather not think about. As we think about the amazing love of the cross, we can't help but look to our sin. Because the truth is that the cross was only necessary because of our sin. And our sin is a very big problem. Too big of a problem, actually, for any of us to handle. A problem so big that it took an even bigger display of love. Jesus, the maker of the moon and the author of life, sacrificing his life for you. And that is love. And, and, and when we do minimize our sin, what tends to happen is that we begin to minimize the gift of the cross. The less we think of our sin and the less important that amazing gift of love that the cross seems. And again, because the truth is most of us would rather not think about our sin, right? We would like to think that it's not that big of a problem. We would like to look the other way, pretend it's not there, act like we can handle it, like we are strong enough and, and we can do it. Um, we need to, to see our sin for what it is, to see the depth of our sin so that we might begin to see the even greater depth of God's love. Let me try to explain this a little bit. I would like for us all, bear with me, to imagine that each of you are taking a trip to Las Vegas. Now, some of you are thinking, oh my goodness, where is Pastor going with this? <laughs> and others of you are like, sign me up. All right, when are we going? Uh, but imagine, if you can, uh, that, we're going to, that you all are going to Las Vegas. And imagine maybe this is just after you have graduated college and uh, your, your friends have convinced you to take a trip to Las Vegas. And, and, and honestly, it took some convincing because uh, you are a recent college graduate. You don't have the money to go. You don't have a job lined up yet. You haven't signed up for a credit card yet. Um, and so you're kind of hesitant, uh, but your friends convince you. They tell you you deserve it. You've worked hard these last four years. Everyone needs to let loose and have a little fun sometimes. And so you, you agree and you go. So you make it down to Las Vegas, and the first night that you're there, you are at this amazing restaurant, one of the hottest, newest restaurants in all of Las Vegas. And it's one of these restaurants where the entrees, the steaks, are more expensive than last month's car payment, and where the glasses of wine are, are more than double what you would usually spend on a bottle back at home. And you sit down, and you begin to order, and as you look at the prices, um, it does kind of cross your mind. You begin to wonder how you're ever going to pay for this bill. And you just think, there's no way that I can afford this. But the voices of your friends come back and you, and you push that thought out. You tell yourself you'll worry about it tomorrow. You're going to get a job eventually and you don't know how you're going to afford this, but you just decide to have a good time, right? Uh, out of sight, out of mind. And so the night goes on. You order more and more and more. The food is coming. The drinks are flowing. You're having a wonderful time. Uh, and you're not thinking about the fact that eventually the bill will come. But the bill always comes. And, and eventually you realize uh, that you have to start thinking about how you're going to get out of here. Uh, you don't think you can just run out. You're not going to dine and dash. And so you, you go through your pockets, and all you can find is a few crumpled up dollar bills. And you know that that's not going to cover the bill. And so you're in Las Vegas, and the only logical thing to do then is to hit the slot machines, gamble, right? And so you go over, and you put in coin after coin, and, and with each coin, you're hoping and praying that you will win, that you'll strike it rich. And that's your only hope that you'll win and be able to forward the bill, but you don't win because no one ever wins at those things. And eventually you have to make it back to your table and you're hoping maybe your friends will help you out, but you can see by the looks on their faces that they are in the same situation as you. And, and then you can begin to see the waiter coming over to your table and he's got the bill in his hands. And all the other tables have been cleared. Last call has long ago been made and the bill has come 
don't know how you're going to pay for it. And you're regretting everything that you ordered. You're angry at yourself for wasting what little you had on those silly slot machines. And you know at that moment that there's no one else to blame. Uh, And you don't know how you're going to pay the bill. See, brothers and sisters, many of us have been living, I think, like the bill isn't going to come. Like our sin isn't that big of a deal. Like we won't have to deal with the consequences of it. We've looked the other way. We've we've pretended it's not there. We've wished and hoped that we won't have to deal with it. We told ourselves we can handle it tomorrow. We've, we've convinced ourselves that we deserve to sin every once in a while, to indulge, let loose, have a little fun, no matter how sinful that might be. And, and for some of us, this has been going on for years or maybe even decades, but eventually, the bill will come. You see, for all of us, we will have to come to the realization that our sin is a problem that we cannot handle, that our sin is much much too big for us, that with our sin we have dug ourselves a hole that we cannot climb out of, that that the burdens and worries of sin that we are trying to carry on our shoulders are much too heavy for us and that they are going to crush us and weigh us down. And all of us, maybe you've been there already, will have to come to the realization of the depth of our sin. For some of us, we'll come to this realization of of how big of a problem our sin is, that the bill is coming, if you will, when we're standing at the grave of someone that we love deeply. And as we look there at that casket, we will realize that that sin has consequences, that the wages of sin is death, and there's no outrunning it, and it's coming for all of us, that our sin isn't just a little problem, but it's a, a big problem that leads to death. There's no hiding from it anymore. For others of us, this realization of the weight of our sin, it'll happen as we're trying to carry around our burdens and maybe the burdens of those we love. We're trying to be super mom or super dad, trying to think that we can handle the weight of sin all by ourselves, but eventually it will crush us and weigh us down and we will realize that the bill is coming. For others of us, maybe it'll happen as we've been living life as, as if sin was our problem, our own problem that we can handle, and if it's only us that it's hurting, we're fine with that and we'll deal with it tomorrow. But, but maybe we've begun to see the ways that our sin has, has hurt those that we love deeply, and, and in that moment we realize the depth of our problem. And, and the sooner that that can happen, though, I think the better. Because the sooner that we see the depth of our sin problem, the sooner that we will see the one who has paid our bill the sooner we will come to see and recognize and trust in the amazing sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. All right, so imagine there you are uh, back in Las Vegas and you're holding the bill and you have no idea how you're going to pay for this. No credit card, no cash in your pocket, no idea what you're going to do. And as you stand there kind of sweating, you look up and, and there's mom and dad in the back of the restaurant. And that's when you really begin to think about running to get out of here because you're embarrassed and, and you're worried and you know exactly what they're going to say because you've been here before. And, and as they walk closer to you, you kind of cringe uh, thinking about what they're going to do to you and you know that you deserve it. And as they walk up to you, the words kind of stumble and they take the bill from you though. And they take the credit cards out of the wallet and you don't know how much they have, but you know it's more than you do. And, And they hand over those credit cards to the waiter. And that's when you expect to really hear it from them, but they don't say a word. They simply wrap their arms around you. And finally they say, I love you. And they do that not because you've deserved it, not because you've earned it, not because you're such a great son or daughter, but simply because they love you. 
Brothers and sisters, Jesus has paid your bill. The holy, righteous Lamb of God has paid your bill. He took the punishment that you deserve, the consequences of your sin that you ought to live with, he takes upon himself. That burden that you are carrying around, he put on his shoulders when he went to the cross. And he did all that, not because you deserved it, not because you earned it, not because you're such a great son or daughter, but it's in the midst of the mess of sin which we find ourselves in, in in the holes that we have dug that are much too tall for us to climb out of. As we carry these heavy burdens on us, Jesus paid your bill. He canceled the debt by sacrificing his life on the cross for you. You see, brothers and sisters, that is true love. That is love that makes us who we are. And it's because of that love that we are no longer defined or identified by God by by the messes that we are in. We are not defined by the sins that we do, no matter how great or how, how much we have committed them. We are not defined by the grave, by death. No, we are defined by the amazing love of Jesus and the God of the universe, the maker of the moon, who laid down his life for you simply because he loved you. In Jesus' name.